Hello and welcome to this edition of the IFS Zooms In with me, Paul Johnson, Director of the IFS. And joining me today is Rowena Crawford, one of my colleagues and Associate Director here. Rowena works particularly on issues affecting older people and pensioners. And today we're going to talk about that group, which is often not talked about very much, which is older workers, so not pensioners, but possibly people between, say, 55 and 65 or 55 and 70 who might be in work, and particularly how they might have been affected by the virus. Before we get on to the specifics of of COVID and uh, what impact it's had on, on this group, Raina, perhaps you could just give us a little bit of background to who are we talking about? What sort of numbers of them are in work? How many of them are retiring? How's that been changing over time? Absolutely. So as you said, older workers, um, we tend to think about people 50 or 55 to the state pension age. Um, and a greater proportion of this group, these age groups, are working than has been seen uh, in the last half century or so. People are living longer, um, and as a response, they're healthier, older ages, and they tend to be working more. There have also been policy reforms uh, trying to encourage people to work for longer, in particular increases in the age at which you're allowed to start claiming a state pension. Uh, the state pension age has been going up and that's had uh, demonstrable impacts on people working later. Um, at the moment of people aged 50 to 64, around three quarters are actually uh, in, in employment. And this is quite an interesting period for um, labour market older ages because of those reforms, the increase in the state pension age. We're all, always going to be interested um, at the moment to see how labour market activity changed, the increases that had. Um, of course, we didn't foresee the coronavirus crisis and the effect that that would have on the labour market um, for all age groups, not just older workers, obviously. And in fact, we're recording this uh, on the day that the state pension rises to 66 for men and women. And I think it's fair to say, isn't it, that uh, particularly for women, we've seen really big increases in the fraction of those aged 60 to 66 who are in work. That's true, yes. Um, and uh, people aged 65 in work in particular, just over the last um, year or so since the state pension age has been going up from 65 to 66, uh, we've seen the female employment rate increasing from about 21% to about 35%, I think it is now, and men increasing from 34 to 45%. So big increases uh, in the proportion of people uh, of older ages that are working. So those are those are really big um, increases after a, a period, at least up till the mid-1990s, when particularly the number of men in work was falling, but it's been rising quite a lot since then. But as you say, they've, um, as with everyone else, have been hit by this uh, current crisis. Um, and we hear a lot, quite rightly, about the extent to which younger workers have been affected. We know that younger workers have been particularly badly affected, actually. But what about older workers? How have they been affected? Well, there's two big ways they've been affected. Uh, the most obvious uh, short-term impact is on their employment. Um, they've also been affected uh, by their pensions. In terms of employment, um, older workers actually look very similar to um, individuals kind of 30, 35 and over across the um, working age spectrum, if you like, um, in terms of the occupations, the industries that they're working in in particular. So the crisis has meant that an awful lot of uh, these workers um, have been on furlough or are still on furlough, either due to their work being halted by the restrictions uh, placed by the government 
or suffering from a fall in footfall, meaning that there's fewer fewer uh, workers required to keep those businesses um, ticking over. From ONS statistics, about 27% of employments of 50 to 64-year-olds have been on furlough, and that's quite similar uh, to um, a lot of the age distribution. Um, but another uh, aspect for older workers, which is, much, is less important for younger workers, is health, uh, which is also a concern. Um, older workers are more likely to be clinically vulnerable to coronavirus, uh, may even have been told to shield. And quite rightly, that's going to affect their preparedness um, to go out and work. So before the crisis, um, clinically vulnerable people are actually no less likely to be in work at these ages. But during the uh, summer, as, as the uh, pandemic struck, um, obviously that has, uh, has implications, particularly for those groups. And we know that the clinically vulnerable were more likely to be temporarily um, away from work during that period, uh, unsurprisingly protecting their own health. But it's quite surprising, actually, from what we've done, we found that about 50% of clinically vulnerable older workers are still working outside of their homes in June and July. So an awful lot of people carrying on working uh, despite these concerns. But taken together, I think there's around 2 million uh, older workers temporarily away from work, um, according to an ONS stance. That's a, sorry, that, that, that's, a very large, uh, that, that's a very large number. And uh, as we said, we often think about the young being affected. But as you say, um, second only to the youngest in the fraction in shutdown industries, uh, a lot of them um, suffering health problems uh, as well. So do we know anything about uh, whether they're more likely to be coming back to work? Um, it's a very good question, and they are big numbers. Um, I mean, I guess to put them in proportion terms, it's about 23% of those in their 50s and 28% of those in 60 to 64 uh, that are temporarily away from work. And as you said, that's more than other working age bands, uh, with the exception of the very young, uh, from a combination of being in affected industries and um, having health concerns as well. How this unwinds um, as furlough ends is a, a, an interesting and important question. I think we don't we don't know the answer to. Um, obviously, there's going to be an increase in unemployment as furlough furlough ends. Um, but there's the very difficult issue of um, what are the, what the very vulnerable will do in, uh, for the those with who are vulnerable in a health sense um, will do. The advice uh, shielding might have stopped, but you know, for people that are at risk, there's a very difficult choice potentially between the risks to their health, but offset against the need to go out and work. Do we know anything about why those who might be at serious risk are continuing out to work? I mean, is it, is it in part because they're more likely to be in lower paid employment or have less uh, to fall back on and, and, and hence really feel the need to go out to work? Or is that something that we're, we, we still need to do more research on? It's a good question. We don't know. Um, we do need to do more research to understand that. Certainly a good proportion of them are key workers um, and therefore are in roles that um, I guess may, might make them more inclined than otherwise to carry on working. I think it will be a combination of factors that there'll be some people who can't afford to stop working, some people that want to carry on working, some people that don't perceive that their own occupation, uh, although it's outside their own home, maybe it's not uh, particularly risky, maybe it doesn't involve interacting with too many people, maybe there's um, good employment practices in place to protect people. So I suspect it will be a combination of those. Uh, but understanding that I think will be quite important uh, going forwards if we're going to help clinically vulnerable people to continue in the labour market, despite the risk of the pandemic continuing for quite a while. So this is quite a big group who have been quite seriously um, affected. 
Uh, I suppose the, the next question is, uh, to what extent do they require particular government um, intervention? You certainly hear it argued at times that younger people ought to take priority. They've got longer to work. It may be a bigger issue for them if they're out of work for a period. Uh, and a lot of the people we're talking about may be quite close to retirement anyway. Is this an issue for government uh, and societal concern? So I think it is an issue. Um, now, I don't dispute in any way that younger workers are particularly important. They face their own challenges. There's risks of uh, scarring for long term in the labour market. Um, but I would argue that older workers are important as well um, for a number of reasons. I mean, the consequences of job loss at older ages um, could be worse than for middle-aged workers in particular. We know from um, a bunch of academic research in the US and other countries uh, that older people are less likely to return to work after employment shocks uh, at older ages and they're less likely to return on comparable wages. So those that do get back into work on average are earning less than they were um, before before job separation. Uh, that was seen in particular in the US in the wake of uh, the Great Recession, um, where unemployment was more of a feature than it was uh, in this country. So we know older people are uh, the consequences of an un unemployment shock uh, are going to be more persistent in their labour market outcomes than for um for younger people. Explaining why is a bit harder. Um, and if I might just interrupt there for a minute, as someone who's a bit older than you, Rowena, I remember um, very well the uh, the recession of the early 1980s and uh, the very, very long-term consequences that had for people in their late 40s and early 50s who were made redundant then, and many of whom never went back to work at all, ended up on incapacity benefits and so on. So it's uh, you know, we, we have... A, we, we, we have uh, experience in the not too distant past here of terrible consequences for a part of a generation who were made uh, redundant, became unemployed in their in, in their early fifties, and as you say, never uh, never actually got back into the labour market again. Yes, I think the problem is that proximity to retirement can often be perceived as a help. You know, these people are going to retire soon anyway. The damage is limited. You know, so it's a few years. What's the worst that can happen? Let's think about younger people who've got their whole lives ahead of them. Um, but that perceived proximity could be a real hindrance rather than a help. Um, I think perhaps directly lowering re-employment rates um, because you get uh, biases of potential employers um, factoring that in. And that might be particularly a concern at the moment where, given the health nature of this crisis, potential employers might be put off by the uh, perceived risks of recruiting older workers who might be at risk of spells of unemployment. Um, but they also have individuals' own attitudes um, that maybe they factor in an employer's not going to want me, I'm close to retirement, or um, their own attitudes to training or their, their uh, confidence in uh, their ability to get a job and so on. Um, but it's worth stressing two things, I think. One is that, um, I mean, we're talking about older workers. That doesn't necessarily mean they're close to retirement. Um, someone 50 is a good 17 years off the age that they can start claiming a state pension. That's a very long time to be on lower than expected income. Um, and the other thing is that, you know, these, it might only be a few years, but these could be crucial years in terms of making financial preparations for retirement. If these are the years you were really banking on doing a lot of your retirement saving, then actually being unexpectedly unemployed or having lower income and therefore lower capacities to save can have a really uh, important detrimental impact on your 
financial situation, not just now, but for, you know, throughout the rest of your life. Um, and the other thing to bear in mind, I mean, I, we talk a lot about money, but actually there's a lot of evidence that shows there are real mental health consequences of being made involuntary retired. So even if you just retire a year earlier than you expected, the fact that that choice was taken out of your control and happened at a time that wasn't when you were planning, that could be quite bad for people as well. Yeah, and we've seen um, really significant mental health effects throughout the age distribution of uh, certainly of the lockdown period. And clearly, uh, there's real risks for older workers there. But it's very interesting what you say about um, saving, because we, 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 we know, don't we, that as it were, um, once people have you know, maybe paid off the mortgage and the children have left home and so on, those those years between, say, 50 or 55 and, and pension age can be really important in terms of accumulating enough to live on through retirement. And uh, if, if, if that's taken away, that can have a really long term effect on, on how well off people are. Absolutely. Yeah, that's right. And it links back to the other effect that I mentioned that um, COVID is having on older with people, or older workers in particular, is that um, there are big, there have been big asset price uh, fluctuations as a result of this crisis. Uh, the stock market has collapsed. Um, and whilst that has less immediate consequences, um, we really can't overlook that. I mean, the FTSE is still, I try not to look at it, but I think something like 20% below the level it was at the start of the year. Um, some other international uh, asset prices have fared somewhat better. Um, but that's going to affect the wealth that people have and their pension resources. Um, and again, kind of have a detrimental effect on how well prepared they are for later life. Um, just over half, I think, now of uh, older workers have a defined contribution pension where the amount of money you're going to get directly depends on how much you saved and the return it's get, getting. And if the value of that suddenly fallen by 20%, then you know, you're potentially in trouble in terms of how much you thought you'd accumulated to fund your retirement. Yeah, and that, that's different. I mean, it's beginning to be quite different, isn't it, from previous generations or at least you know, the, the, the last generation or two uh, who would be more likely to have had a traditional final salary type scheme, which is largely protected and indeed might have had access to a more generous um, earnings related state pension and um, we're seeing potentially a generation who are really suffering or really having to take on board all of the risk themselves from what's happening uh, in stock markets and that uh, that could well play out in terms of their living standards for the next 20 or 30 years. Yeah, there's been a big, big sectoral shift in the nature of pension saving in this, this country and it's now very much one in which the investment risk is all borne by individuals. Um, and this crisis, I guess, is a very good illustration of the effects of bearing that risk. Now, it matters much less for younger people who perhaps don't need to draw their pensions for a long time. There's a long time for asset prices to recover before they want to access their wealth. But for those approaching retirement, depending on how they're invested, um, and it might not be those just immediately before retirement who are worst hit because a lot of those people will have diversified into safer assets already. But for people 10 years off retirement, say, who have got a large amount of pension wealth saved, um, but have it held in relatively exposed assets, its value could have been hit quite a lot. Um, and that matters for how much how much they can they can spend in retirement. Now, in a way, it might be helped by other reforms that have happened recently. Um here I'm thinking of the introduction of so-called pension freedoms, which allow people much more flexibility in how they access those savings. 
um, because people can access a little bit of their pension wealth, even though values, uh, asset prices might be low and leave the rest sitting there uh, until prices recover somewhat. Um, but it swings and roundabouts. The, the disadvantage, if you like, of that policy is that, again, it loads a lot of risk and a lot of uh, decision making and difficult choices onto individuals. And um, it varies across the population how well placed people are to, to make those choices. Yeah, and I think this crisis is really um, bringing to the fore some of the problems we have with our pension system. We've got the majority of people now bearing all of the risk. And if the stock market suffers or as we've had also interest rates plummet, uh, then the, all of those individuals are going to um, pay the price. We've also got some people, of course, still in um, final salary schemes. The university superannuation scheme is one that comes to mind where the cost to employers of this is just enormous. Um, uh, whilst the value to the individuals concerned goes up, uh, at least in relative terms. So it tells us, I think, that there's still a lot to do to get our pension system onto a more sustainable basis. But coming back off the issue of um, the design of our pension system, which probably the um, subject of another one of these uh, IFS zooms in uh, calls, because there's so much to say on that. Um, it seems to me what you're saying is there's two things going on at the moment. One is that um, uh, some older people are going to struggle to get back into work um, or may find that work is less attractive. Um, but equally, uh, there'll be plenty who are perhaps needing to work longer in order to uh, accumulate enough pension or the sort of pension that they were expecting. Do, do we know how those relative effects are playing out? Well, we've done some work recently um, using data that was collected by the English Longitudinal Study of Ageing, which is a big uh, household survey of people in their 50s and over. And they interviewed their members in uh, June, July. And one of the things they asked people is whether or not the pandemic had affected um, the age at which they were planning to retire. Um, and interestingly, actually one in eight of people responded that they had changed the age they were planning to retire. Uh, but you've got people adjusting in both ways. So something like 8% were planning to retire later and 5% planning to retire earlier. So you've got people affected by different shocks responding in different ways. Now, some of this is um, potentially quite concerned, um, particularly here I'm thinking of people that are saying they are now planning to retire earlier in a way, um, if that's not voluntary. So we find that that's more likely to be reported by people who are temporarily away from work on furlough, for example. And we should be worried if that's basically people that are so um, unoptimistic about their chances of finding new employment uh, come the end of furlough that they're planning to retire earlier, because that's going to have these bad effects on their uh, mental health and on their financial security uh, that we've been talking about. Um, also, we find people planning to retire later. A lot of those are people who are reporting that they had DC pension uh, whose value has gone down. So that's kind of people responding to this, this negative wealth shock. Um, I guess set, set against that, there were some uh, findings that suggested some positive things that come out of this crisis. One in particular that uh, we highlighted is that um, a, lot of, a lot more people are working from home, obviously, during this crisis. And um, the people who are planning to retire later 
uh, are more likely to be in that cap. So it looks like that the increase in flexible working practices could have some long run uh, beneficial impact on older workers if it allows them to keep working um, in jobs they enjoy because it's given them uh, more flexible ways of doing so than were previously available to them. My guess is that there's a kind of distributional issue here, as there has been uh, across the age, uh, the age range, that those who are you know, able comfortably to work at home are probably the you know, the better off, the better educated um, in the first place. Those who are being furloughed and maybe uh, feeling discouraged from staying in work are presumably the the, the less well off, and uh, this is going to exacerbate uh, inequalities among this age group as well. Yes, unfortunately, I suspect I suspect you're right. Um, and we have seen uh, another thing that the uh, the survey asked was about uh, how people have been affected financially. And there we did see that um, the people that were reporting that they were badly financially affected were also the people uh, who were disproportionately worse off before the crisis as well. So I suspect that this could well be um, increasing inequalities, unfortunately, amongst the older population. One of the things I think is interesting about what you've been describing, Rowena, is that um, you know, there are some people who are going to um, uh, leave work earlier than they wanted, but they probably won't show up as unemployed. They'll probably say they're not looking for work anymore because they're discouraged. There are some people who be working for longer than they actually wanted because they need um, the additional money. None of that's really going to show up in the sort of headline statistics we use to measure how well we're doing, will they? I mean, we, 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 the, the GDP numbers won't be much affected. Unemployment numbers won't be much affected. We don't tend to focus uh, on numbers who are suffering from mental health problems who are less happy than they might otherwise have been. This, this kind of impact on particularly this older generation is something that might well just go a bit hidden. Yes, I think the first of those we have a reasonable shot at being able to uh, see in the data. So although, as you say, they won't show up as unemployed if they're um, not actively seeking work, but they've retired earlier than they wanted. But we would we would be able to observe an increase in in uh, retirement rates uh, among particular groups. Um, unpicking whether that's you know because they're forced out of the labour market or whether they've just suddenly discovered a greater preference for spending time at home. Um, or doing other pursuits, that will be harder to see. But certainly in terms of headline numbers of increased retirement rates, that, that could be added to the picture. We can see it, but I think I, I think it'd be fair to say that this isn't going to be in the headlines in the way that the unemployment numbers are. So whilst you and I can see it, it's, um, it's the sort of thing that I think uh, might go, uh, might, might, might go un- unnoticed by too many. Yes, yeah. There is a risk that the older workers that are re- forced out of the labour market and retire are overlooked because they don't feature in headline unemployment numbers. That's true. Uh, so um, th- this work you've been doing, Raina, and the um, conversation we've had, I think is a, a really important um, uh, contribution uh, to understanding the impact of this crisis. We've, we've seen, as you say, a long period of people um, actually getting better off in retirement, staying in, in, in work longer where they can and where they want to. We know there's increasing amounts of evidence, actually, that for people who want to stay in work, doing so is very good for their mental health. We know from history uh, that older people losing their jobs can be very damaging, uh, not just to their finances, but to their longer term mental health. And whilst it's absolutely right that we uh, concern ourselves through this crisis with what's been happening uh, to the younger generation, we need to look really quite hard 
I think particularly at this group who are at and around retirement, those who are already retired are on average going to be relatively less affected. But those who are moving towards uh, retirement, or at least in the later stages of their working lives, could be the ones, um, certainly if we look at the experience of some previous crises, could be the ones who suffer the most um, in the longer term. So I think this is a real uh, wake-up call uh, to policymakers to take this group uh, really quite seriously, um, as well as others that they're, uh, they're looking to. Um, we've come, I think, to the end of our time for this latest um, episode. Uh, if you did enjoy this episode, please hit subscribe and rate us. And you can always stay on top of our latest work by visiting www.ifs.org.uk. Stay well, and we look forward to speaking to you again soon.